Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the NBC Circling the Bases podcast. I am your host, Matt Williams. Joining me on the show today for the weekend recap is Mr. Mike Curlin, returning guest, one of the few returning guests of the young uh, Monday recap show that we have going on for you. Mike Curlin from Roto Baller. What are you doing now? You're everywhere. What are you currently doing? Because you're constantly working on new projects. You never (laughs) sleep. Uh, Remind the audience of who you are, where you can be found, and what you're currently working on. Well, appreciate that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland, and I don't even know what I'm currently working on. I, like you said, I I stay busy. Um, my latest venture has been a lot of MLB the show stuff on Twitch at twitch.tv slash sleepyk underscore MLB. It's a long mouthful, but other than that, um, I got the YouTube stuff going on. I put I post that stuff on Twitter. I write I, I do my lineup stuff. That's still again. If you find if you find me on Twitter, there's a pin. There's actually a pinned post with every link to every type of social media content i put out or any type of content I put out you can find it on my pin post on, my, on twitter it's just did you, say what your, did you say what your twitter post was uh it's the, what the well, <laughs> your, my, your handle yeah i said it, it was at mike oh, underscore curland i'll just reiterate it but yeah i did say it i know like after all that rambling i should have repeated it no but. i just i just <laughs> want to make sure you went over that and everyone's like all right sounds great where do i follow them and then we never say it again yeah. uh so mlb the show um I love playing love it. it. I, I'm terrible. I'm not terrible at video games. I'm terrible at that video game because I have no patience, which is not good for some games, especially this one. I swing at everything. I've never taken a ball ever. <laughs> that and you can do well. You can, uh, but sometimes to the advanced like stuff that you got to do in the game that doesn't work out very well for you. But uh, how are you? I mean, you stream. That doesn't necessarily mean you're good. There's plenty of streamers out there that are just just god awful. Are are you good or bad? So. I'll try to sum it up as I'm the self-proclaimed self-proclaimed king of mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> the best nickname you'll ever hear someone give themselves. But I've gotten it's one of those things where I'm I'm like I'm in this weird gray area of I'm better I'm better than average, but I'm not with the guys that can just go out and just crush it. You know what I mean? So I'm in this weird area of really good but not great. But like but there's days where I'm average, and it's like but so I'm in this weird like I'm getting better, but I'm still kind of like uh. You know what I mean? Like it's weird. Like this, I said, it's like this gray area. So like, I am a good player though. I'm, I'm, I've gotten a lot better. But I do stream, and you get to watch me play at the highest level of mediocrity. Man, it's just great. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you're not sold on that, then I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> we have a lot of fun, man. We talk uh, baseball and everything too. In the meantime, right, before we get into the weekend recap uh, for what went on in uh, in baseball, uh, special special offer for the audience bases 10 promo code if you enjoy all the work we do at nbc sports edge beyond all the news we have tons of premium content uh we have uh, all sorts of you're into dfs betting 
for MLB, NFL, NHL, NBA, anything, all sports, monthly or yearly. Use the promo code BASIS10. You get 10% off every single thing we do, monthly or yearly. Everything at the entire site get 10% off. So if you enjoy all the stuff we do, don't pay full price. You listen to the show. We love you. We appreciate you. Use BASIS10 promo code get 10% off. So jumping into the uh, the point of the show, the weekend recap. Uh, we, we led the show off last week with this, and we're going to lead off the show this week with this foreign substance crackdown. I <sighs> wish I had some kind of really fun like noise effect, but I don't. <laughs> I do. I <laughs> wish I like. I wish I had like the uh, you know what is it the NY what is it the uh, Kong Kong? What show is that? Yeah, the the Law and Order. Uh, all right, so we're bringing it up again because baseball. I think you know everyone realizes they've handled this poorly. This uh, you know foreign substances have been used for years. I mean, it's in the movie Major League for a reason. <laughs> when that guy's like, "What's on? What's all that stuff on you?" and he's like, "You know, Vaseline. I put jalapeno under my nose." They've been using this forever, but now with the you know the spider tack, it's become too much to handle, and they're going to try to take 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 this down. There's been a lot of conspiracy theorists like Pete Alonso going on record, but here nor there. Let's talk about the actual the actual problem. MLB is trying to end this midseason, which is crazy, but either, again, we're not arguing that. Let's just argue what is actually happening. I do agree with the fact that they kind of, like, scared people into, like, hinting that this was coming. Then they put out the official notice that it was coming, but it's not actually here. And now they put an actual date of when the umpires are going to enforce it, giving pitchers plenty of time to, to like wane themselves off of it or whatever they have to do. So there's no excuse to get caught after the fact. And, and boy, have pitchers been doing that. Uh, Garrett Cole was the first obvious one. Everyone was reporting on him because he was one of the scapegoats to begin with. Josh Donaldson ran his mouth. Uh, Garrett Cole kind of gave him <laughs> gave him a little bit of medicine. Who knows? He might have been using a little extra stuff there. I, if, if if I was using it, I'd get a few extra starts out of it. You know, if it's not being taken away from me yet, I ain't I ain't putting it away. But Trevor Bauer allows season high six runs to Texas uh, on Saturday, and then Shane Bieber on Sunday, which some people weren't sure about. Plenty were skeptical. Gives up five runs and ten hits. Coincidental. Maybe, but bad timing to have a bad game if you don't want to have bad press. So what are you doing, Mike, in fantasy leagues? That's the question. Because good pitchers won't become bad. They'll just become what they were without the without the uh, you know the extra substance. But in some pitchers' case, that could be extreme. So uh, for any of these pitchers, like uh, anyone you know that is being suspected, uh, are you trying to move them for anyone who still believes that they're at full value? What are you doing? The problem is, is if you have a Bauer, if you have a Cole, what can you possibly get in return? Not because you can't get anything in return, but name a name a starting pitcher right now that hasn't dealt with injuries or is dealing with injuries. Scherzer has this issue going on now. DeGrom is to be determined. All the high-end pitching is falling and falling. It's trying to sell a pitcher because you're scared of this outcome, you kind of, unless you're seriously in like really good positions with your pitching staff, you're kind of stuck holding and just seeing what happens. Let's just say, let's just say you waited. Let, let, let's just say you have a big hole at first base. Uh, we'll talk to the, about this guy in a second. Uh, just because we were talking about him pre-show, you have Garrett Cole, for example, or uh, or any of these guys, and someone offers you Carlos Rodon and Matt Olson. Oh, I take that. Do you do take it? I do because I, before before this, you would not though, right? 
Um, well, again, let, let's put team context into play. Like the shallower of the league, I don't take two for ones. In a deeper format, if I'm injury riddled, if I need power, I'm tr- I'm really bought in on Rodon. I'm willing to take the two for one. And I don't. But see, here's the thing: I'm not letting this affect my thinking yet because all this is going to do is I think this is going to help bring everything back to the middle because in 2019, I guarantee you that spider attack and everything else ramped up in 2019 when the ball was extra slippery and bouncy. Remember. Pitchers like Syndergaard were saying, oh, it's like an ice cube to grip. So pitchers said, screw this, I'm going to grip it. And now what happened is they give the pitchers a better ball with with, high, with higher uh, higher seams, raised seams, whatever you want to call it, easier grip and more movement, and now they, they don't stop using the substance, so now they're getting balls that move in weird positions. I think it's just going to pretty much so, – it's going to correct itself. Into, and it's gonna, I'm sorry it's a boring answer, but I think it's just the correction is going to come to where it needs to be, and it's, it's going to affect a lot of people pretty evenly across the board. I wouldn't overreact. Yet. <laughs> it's it's not a boring answer. It's a tricky one, really. It's it's would you I guess here's the way of boiling it down. Let's just say you have someone like Bauer who mm. or Bieber today that really, you know, maybe freaked some people out. If if you would you be looking to acquire him if someone is freaking out? Like I would think you that's the play? Like how expensive would you go? Would you would you feel comfortable still paying 90 cents on the dollar? Would you want to go down to 75? Like how expensive would you be willing to pay to acquire one of these aces because they are still, you know, even if they're 80% of what they were, that's still much better than the average pitcher. If I was able to take, say, a Jesse Winker and flip yep. him for flip him for like a someone's concerned about Bauer, Cole, or or Bieber, I'd probably do that. Sell high on a player, which I still believe in Winker to a point, but I don't think Winker is as good as we're seeing. I mean, go look at his splits, righties versus lefties. Like 90% of his production is against right-handed pitching, and he will continue to see said pitching, but I do think there's going to be a – I mean, I think he's going to slow down a little bit, and the pitching – I just rather take advantage of that situation because, honestly, before today, before yesterday, you wouldn't have even been able to say that. Like, oh, I can get one of those guys for Winker, but maybe now you could because Winker is running hot. Well, so. well, here we go. That's eye of the beholder. What would you consider that? Because for me, even as hot as Winker is as an MVP candidate right now, I consider that 50 cents on the dollar. And and maybe, honestly, le- it, maybe less. <laughs> but but right now, people are overreacting. You might be able, So you're right. That might be 50 cents on the dollar, but that's why I was suggesting such a name. Like, start there. Don't necessarily go with your best offer, but a, a strong – somebody might see Winger as a strong offer because, of, like you mentioned, he is playing at MVP caliber level. Fine. What about Castellanos? He has the name value. He's been relevant for years now. People see him as finally breaking out. Maybe that's a better name to go with because he's probably high, viewed in a little better of a light. But still, I want to start there, and that's – maybe Castellanos is probably a better starting point because, again, he carries that name value coming into this year and all that. And the, the what-if factor – um, even Olsen, as much as I love Olsen, and we'll, again, we'll probably talk about him a little bit, but Olsen's a guy you could probably sell high on as well and get one of those guys. And he's probably the bigger name. Of, and everyone was buying into him last year. He flopped, came back, and he's doing things right. Maybe he's a guy you could take leverage. But I would want to start in that range, though. And although, again, all these guys are still really solid between Winker, Castellanos, and Olsen, I still prefer the pitchers over them. But I think you could, in some leagues, make that switch because people are overreacting. All right, getting into the actual weekend recap. Let's talk about some hitters, um, starting with Texas, the team that roughed up Trevor Bauer. <laughs> Isaiah Kiner-Faletha, he's three for five with three stolen bases on Saturday. He's having a tremendous year. He's a great value this year, just like he was last year, just no respect given. Uh, he tallied three hits for the ninth time in nine, in 65 games. It's amazing. Uh, going into Sunday, he's batting 295, 329, 418 with five home runs and 14 stolen bases. I mean, is this just a situation where, you know, there's there's players that come out of nowhere like 
Charlie Blackman's like a long time ago. He, he, he did well to end a season and they did well the next season. It just takes a long time to believe in some people that you just in your mind feel like it's going to end. But I think it's, we're at a point where obviously this, he's just going to produce and he's, he's just a great guy at the top of that lineup. So how are you treating him going forward? If you, if you were looking again, we'll just go with to acquire him. Are you considering him exactly what he is? Do you expect some kind of regression or do you think this, um, you know, this is what we're, this is what we're seeing. I, I guess I'm buying it because like I, my big thing with um, IKF, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna mess up his name if I don't use his initials. IKF, he came into the year, you know, after 2020, he stole eight bases but got caught five times. So there was that yeah. terrible success rate. This year, he's only been caught stealing once, and he plays for a team for the second straight year is in the top of the leagues, top of the league in stolen bases. So it's a philosophy thing as well. Or well, here's the thing, right? In uh, in fantasy, you're supposed to remove the name from the player. Right. Yes. Which is how a lot of people, there's some people that play fantasy baseball, don't even watch baseball, but player a bats 295 with five home runs and 14 stolen bases. Guess what? It's Isaiah kind of because I just told you his numbers mm-hmm. player B's batting 299 with six home runs and 12 stolen bases. They're basically the same person. Um, the one is going to cost you an arm and a leg. And the other one is Isaiah. The other guy, do you have any idea who the other player is? No, Tim Anderson. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, again, uh, uh, Isaiah, you know, he has the position eligibility edge over Tim Anderson and the same exact statistics. Do you, it, you, you, you got, you want to say you believe Tim Anderson's obviously going to keep this up more than Isaiah, but is it necessarily that big of it, of an advantage where the, the price difference is there? That's why I'm just saying, like, do you, uh, do you, knowing that information, would you buy him? Like if you were looking for that kind of production, would you feel confident just acquiring him instead of Anderson and getting the discount? Oh yeah. hundred percent. I think he is a poor man's Tim Anderson. That's a great way of putting it. I don't think the power production is going to be there. Five home runs. I'm honestly surprised he has, I'm looking at, looking at his profile. I don't see how he has five home runs, but last year IKF was also a guy who didn't have the power, but the speed was there and the batting average uh, was there. And it's this year. It's a little more believable. And, but although it was not that bad last year, because if you look at last year with IKF, again, Isaiah kind of fluff because I'm going to mess mm-hmm. that up um, probably more than if I don't already. Um, his, his Z contact rate, is, which is how much contact you make in the zone, is elite. It's like 93%, yep. two straight years. And that is something I buy into. He, he's Tim Anderson in a way that makes sense. Yes. Tim, Tim Anderson succeeds, and he's one of my favorite players. Uh, he's not Javier Baez. But he's a guy like Baez who's a unicorn in terms of he produces at a level that he probably shouldn't in the way that we look as analysts. Like he gets it done in a different way. Whereas uh, Isaiah kind of Falefa, he's See? he's getting it he's getting it done in a way that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah. it's 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 I'm surprised more people aren't buying in full price when what he's doing makes absolute sense. And the full price for him is still probably barely a fringe top 100 player in return like i can't think of an example off the top of my head but i, get, I guarantee you, you can go to the IK, ikf manager and, and get him for what someone would think is a like overpay but you look at again just looking at the contact rates looking at the swinging strike rate he doesn't swing and miss a lot he makes a crap ton of contact where it matters and outside the zone as well he makes really good contact if a player so if, you, if a player was desperate for a starting pitcher i bet you can get him for marcus stroman and I honestly think that's a that's pretty. I mean, not, pretty not to insult anyone out there in high stakes leagues. We are talking about your garden variety league where people aren't meticulous. <laughs> but I'm just. Uh, I, I mean, I think that that's close. I know? do. Th- I, I think so too. And the thing is, is both of them are pretty much overperforming in a sense. And but both of them are solid pieces of your fantasy team. I think that's a very solid need based deal. Do you need stolen bases and some batting average? Boom. 
Kiner Fluff is your guy. You need some ratios, some decent ratio help and some innings and win potential. Stroman's your guy. I think they're in the same bucket, just different mm -hmm. positions, different. And that's like actually really good. I think in my opinion, it's a pretty solid trade offer. Uh, Anthony Rendon, let's go to him. He's having a brutal season. He was held back by injury early on. Like he, he tends to be two for three with his fourth home run of the season. He's bad two going into Sunday's bad 241 with a 317 on base, 370 slugging. Are you buying low on Anthony Rendon? Because he was going right there with he was going right there with like um Bregman and Rafael Devers, who ended up being obviously the guy to grab there and Nolan Arenado in that kind of chunk of third baseman. Is he someone that you're just expecting as the summer heats up gets back to it? Because I assume I, there's no reason not to not to suggest that. I was looking at him. I'm wondering if Rendon is pressing, and I almost want to say Anthony Rendon don't buy, but I couldn't help. I had to. I had to do it. Obviously, don't mind me and my jokes. They're terrible. But uh, Rendon, I'm torn. I think if you can get the right deal, I'm all about buying them. But I wouldn't go actively seeking them type of thing. I'm just wondering what's going on there if he's pressing because. He's swinging more than ever. He's it was a it's a weird profile. Like more first pitch strikes or first pitch swing first pitch swing percentage is up to a career high thirty six point six percent, which is by far he's never had anything above like twenty seven ish percent. So yeah. he's obviously chasing. He's obviously swinging at more first pitches, but with it's come like less uh, less walks. He's show he's been more aggressive, swinging more as a whole. But while swinging more, he's making less contact. So it's a it's a really a negative effect. And we're looking at a guy who prior to 2020 has always hit fastballs well well we're talking two straight seasons now of underperforming against fastballs he hit 258 against them last year and he's hitting 233 against them this year both of which are underperforming but he's always been like a 300 hitter so could that suggest maybe he's due to turn around he has in uh, rendon or have pitchers figured him out maybe maybe rendon's a guy that benefits from not only getting healthy in the summer months coming but also just um the ball maybe the ball moving less now that we have you know pitchers it's getting cracked down maybe he's a guy that's like all right well these fastballs aren't moving three or four inches more than they, than they did last year maybe he'll be able to, i think i think rendon has better days ahead of him that's without saying but there are some things going on with the profile like i mentioned with the swing with the extra with the the aggression change and like the little bit added swing and miss that does have me somewhat concerned to where i'm not actively seeking the trade but i wouldn't shy away from at least seeing what the guy wants for him if i needed rendon or want to take a chance I mean, it's not a ton of it bad so far. I mean, right now you're looking That's, at yeah. what 167 because everything metrically looks like you said bad. He's uh, he's not making as as much contact. He's he's swinging and missing. He's chasing, and he's hitting under the ball a ton. His under percentage mm -hmm. right now is 36. Uh, percent It's never been above 30.4 in like five years. It was 33.6 and 20.7. His barrel rate's way down. His sweet spot percentage is way down. He's just making bad contact, and that. All of this just seems like it's a timing thing. Everything all together. So if you're looking for a metric to point you to bad luck, that ain't there. I mean, everything, including his expected statistics, suggests that he's playing as badly as he is. Um, you just want to go on, all right, this guy's been good his entire career. There's no reason to suggest he's going to continue to be bad. So yeah, I would I would look into buying, I would look into buying low. Um <laughs> I, 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 but for no other reason than I just expect him to bounce back. Uh, there's nothing else really there. Like, who would you rather have going forward, Anthony Rendon or uh, trying to think of a good example here off the top of my head, which I can't. Which Josh I can't. Johnson, maybe. Would that be um, fair? <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking, like you said, I, I literally just popped up with the name. Who would you Probably rather not have? Even a good yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Who would you rather have between those two? Um, see. 
I feel like Rendon's batting average right now is like the ceiling for Josh Donaldson. So based on that alone, I think I'm going to go with Rendon. I mean, I would definitely, you know, it's but, like you say that, and I would much rather go with Rendon as well. <laughs> but but the I mean, but say Rendon doesn't bounce back fully. What if Rendon's a two seventy five hitter, but only gives you twenty five home runs? You know you're probably getting closer to thirty five with Donaldson, assuming health, which is never something to safely assume with him. So it's is, is it a matter of need versus like a matter of need essentially power Donaldson Rendon batting average like and to say that I, I think it's closer than maybe I thought of when I said it, but I think it's almost like the argument would be need based right at this point because we're getting into mid what is it june yeah whatever month it is we're getting into mid-june now it's like if he turns around how unless he turns around quick you're hoping for a strong second half but there's a chance he doesn't get going until into the second half um let's just say that uh you really needed let's just say you needed a closer and someone wanted to buy loan anthony rendon they 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 offer you they offer you let's say rasael iglesias his, his teammates he, they offer you iglesias and jared walsh Two, oh, yeah. other, two other, two other uh, angels all day. So you're, is Easy. that just confidence in Walsh? That and if you, you said I need saves, and <laughs> they are like, I'm sick of chasing them at this point in some leagues. So please, oh, <laughs> but yes, it's also well, it's partial. a reasonable thing to bring up because everyone all, needs saves, and if also, you want to, if you want to sell Rendon, you can probably get some saves and a usable bat in return. So I think yeah. that's maybe a possible route to go. Yes, and I think that combination, if someone offered that, I would take it because I'm willing to hedge my bets, take a shot on buying into Walsh, which he, even though he's been struggling last week or so, I still think he's good enough to, even if he regresses back to what we kind of expect, he w- he might not be as good as Rendon, but the difference is made up by Iglesias. So you're more willing to, it It sounds like you'd be more willing to sell Rendon than you were to buy him. Yes, because I'm just, this year's been crazy with injuries and stuff. So I'm in full on like, Give me somebody who's producing now. Like, that's what I, I – most of my teams are in need of production now. I can't like, – if I'm in a position to possibly wait on Rendon, then sure, I would go buy. But I think it, maybe it's a lot of my bias coming into this that a lot of it's like I need I need, I need my production. I need it now, you know? It's speaking, <laughs> Well, here, speaking of needing production now, how about Matt Chapman? Yes. He had a, going into Saturday, he had a 100-at-bat streak without a home run. Goes three for five with a home run and a double on Saturday. Homers again on Sunday. Uh, he is usually someone, regardless of his low batting average, always goes out there, gives you gold glove defense, and always has elite power metrics. Not this year. His Everything is well below his career average. He's been just hitting the ball very weakly. So, you know, you see him go on this mini tear here. Is this a, all right, opportunity to sell, or is this your last opportunity to, to buy if you had to pick one of those tours? Mm, I'm going to go with buy. It's weird that I'm optimistic about one, not the other. I think a lot of it goes into Chapman and being in, being in his prime slash entering it and Rendon being on the outside of it, possibly falling off. I think that's where it is for me, that line. Yeah. I'm more, and I think the cost to acquire a Chapman is also going to be more friendly on the pocket, you know, on the wallet. So, but looking at Chapman, he's somebody I actually dove into rel- relatively recently and he has a, it's a little bit weird going on there with him too. Cause obviously last year he dealt with the injury and I think that's, what's still lingering because prior to 2020, you had two straight seasons of like sub 10 string strike rates. Now that's back up to 15 and 13 last two years, respectively, the contact rates are still down. Although up from last year, Chapman's are still down from the previous three seasons. And with all the homework I was doing on him, cause again, a lot of it looks like he just doesn't have a swing back. 
there are quotes I found, but they are a little dated. So I'm wondering if it's still that because I couldn't find anything else. But there were quotes from teammates and from coaches saying that he just pretty much his timing is still off. And he himself has said, Chapman, that is, that he kind of developed like a little mini hitch in his swing or something or because he was compensating because of the hip or was it the hip last year? I think it was the hip, right? Mm-hmm. Or so he was compensating and his swing mechanics took a little bit of a of a hit because of that. Well, he can't hit, but anyway, sorry. Um, that's where my head went with that. But regardless, so there's all that going on. I think it's a matter of him just figuring it out. And I believe in the talent that is Matt Chapman to figure it out and be who he's always been. And again, it goes back to the cost of acquisition. I think it's cheaper. So Chapman, I'm more willing to buy. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Who would you rather have rest of the season, Matt Chapman or Austin Riley? Who is essentially yes. who is essentially the cheaper version of Matt Chapman in drafts this season? This is that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not the good answer. I uh, give me the give me the. Oh, I could I could have told you who would you rather have Eduardo Escobar. No, I'd rather have Chapman. I, I can't ever buy an Escobar. I just can't. I mean, I will be wrong. I was right on him one year, wrong on him another. I will. He's like modesty for me. I will just always. See, that's be, why. I, I that's always, why that's an easy one. And I gave but, you. Uh, and I gave you Austin Riley. But Riley, I'm gonna take. <sighs> rest of season, I will go with Chapman. With zero confidence, because I look at Riley in that 377 bat, which has already come down, which has caused his batting average to already start dropping a little bit as well. Not to mention a 29.2% strikeout rate. Like that, like all that mixed together really concerns me for Riley. And I know Chapman pretty much has that, but maybe Chapman's on the upswing and Riley's going to. No, I'll take Riley the rest of the season. You got I think it. Riley's- I think they're the same guy. Yes. That's the, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call an audible here and go with Riley. Because he's been producing, and I agree. I think they're the same player. But I am Matt Chapman. I take this opportunity, and it's not that I don't believe in Chapman. I actually, if if you held on him to this long, I'd probably just ride it out. But uh, if someone believes in this little breakout, I'd go to try to acquire Austin Riley and get a little kicker. Would you? Because I think it's the same. I would say maybe. No, that's what I'm saying. If I can get a kicker back, 
Because yeah, I, I believe they are the same player. This is a unique yeah. situation. Like I, I, I would much rather have Matt Chapman than a lot of people. I think that this is the beginning of a little turnaround for him. But that's just a you know between <laughs> Chapman and Riley, we're running so far behind. Let's move yes. on to Matt Olson. Let's go. Okay. His, his teammate, who a lot of people a couple of years ago are like they're the same person, which they of course never were. But you know, some as 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 Matt Olson began to improve, you know. Um, Matt Chapman never did as far as like, you know, the big, you know, some, some of the, uh, the, you know, the hit tool, uh, Matt Olson goes four for five with a home run on Saturday, four RBIs. It's two more on Sunday, but I know me and you were big fans of him. You had a, you had a lot of bets out of him last season before the pandemic. I, he was my MVP case. He's batting 289, 374, 610 with 18 home runs, 47 RBIs, 41 runs, gold glove, first base, 14% barrel rate, max EV elite, like over 115 miles per hour. Is he the best first baseman in baseball? Not fantasy, baseball, because we are including that gold glove defense for everyone who wants to, you know, yell at me about like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now. I was, yeah, because when I read this question, I was like, oh, it's Vladdy. Because in fantasy, well, I was like, oh, wait, not fantasy. Um, I still want to give it to Freddie. I still think Freddie might edge him out for me. I know Freddie hasn't been as good this year, but in real life baseball, I still would trust Freddie to be better the rest of the way if I had to pick the two rest of the season. But I think Olsen is in that discussion given the defense because I think Freddie offers the same amount of the same. Defense, this, is, but- this is this is weird though because Freddie uses the middle of the field. We don't know how the weird new baseball with uh, the way the drag has worked. On line drives, you got to hit the ball incredibly hard, which Matt Olson does. Not that Matt yeah. Freddie Freeman doesn't, but not on the level of Matt Olson. If you had Matt Olson and someone actually traded you Freddie Freeman, you'd feel compelled to take it. Everyone would. How would that be a snap thing, though? Because no. it's hard. It's hard. And, I don't think. Well, no. See, now you're now you're going back to fantasy. I wouldn't take the deal because I believe you know. Again, you're talking to a guy who's believed in Matt Olson going back to last year. I'm riding this wave, and there's no selling high for me. I will take the ups and downs because the downs will come, and then I'll be like, "Oh, I should have made the trade because Freeman's gonna go up." And yeah, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride it out because I'm gonna ride out anybody who's been performing for me. Because again, we've been we've had so much up and down, so much injury. Give me the guy performing, and like you said, there's there are questions about. I mean, I don't really question Freeman and his production going forward, but I think that Olson jumps close to, to that tier almost you know like he's yes. if he's not if he's not in that tier with him he's damn close and he'd be right he'd be at least right under him i'd say let's hit up a few pitchers before we end mm-hmm. the show uh james C- caprillion uh the 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 two mats teammate over in oakland six innings zero earned seven strikeouts four walks um it's two two earned runs or fewer in five of his last six but he's walked at least three over his last three he looks good out there but he seems to be walking a tight rope um, his ERA right now is two five one. Expected ERA three six one, which makes all the sense in the world to me when you watch him. It just looks like one of you know a couple of these times he's not going to get away with these free bases, and you know it's it's going to come back to bite him. But he looks really solid out there. So I mean, do you believe in Caprillion going forward? Is he's definite sell high if you have him? If someone's willing to buy in, or is he someone that uh, you're, you're willing to just take because you know healthy consistent pitchers are hard to find. I'm going to sell high on Caprillion, although it is crazy to me that if you told me James Caprillion was going to outproduce Jesus Lazardo and or Puck to this point, I would have called you nuts. But here we are, 2021. Um, but looking at just a real quick uh, Caprillion, swing strike rate is below 10%. His O swing, which is his chase rate, essentially uh, is 26.9%, both of which are not good, giving up um, 85.4% Z contact. And you mentioned he's walking in the house. And his strand rate is 86.6%, which is probably better than what you should expect going forward. 
I think there's a lot of negative regression coming his way. Maybe I still think he could be closer to I like think a he, four ZRA. I think he has the ability to out pitch metrics only because of the way he he disrupts hitters timing. He, I mean, he has that six, he has, he has like, you know, five solid pitches. He throws at you. Mm-hmm. The four slider and changeup are all really decent pitches. They're all in the negative and run value. So I believe into a degree, but I mean, what would we say is ERA right now is like two and a half. Was yeah. It? So if he's like a three, eight, say his FIP is three, eight, six, say he was closer to that. The road to get there is going to be ugly. Yeah, possibly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if someone's buying into what he is right now, absolutely. I think you have to sell. Um, but I, I believe that he is a good pitcher, but yeah, the, uh, he's just, he's getting away with some stuff right now. Uh, Marcus Stroman, we alluded to him earlier, uh, six and a third, one or nine strikeouts versus the Padres. That was just one Titanic mistake to friend Fernando Tatis jr. Leads the national league in ground ball percentage. He's striking out a decent amount of hitters. He had, um, um, First 17 outs in that game versus San Diego, they were all the outs were either by K or by ground ball, which is, you know, exactly what you want to do. You know, keep the ball out of the air. Not bad stuff will happen. He's a 2-3-2 two, two ERA, 108 whip, 67 strikeouts over 77 innings, which again, from a high ground ball pitcher, that's not bad. Uh, reached also the sixth inning for the seventh consecutive start. So is he underrated? I mean, for a guy who's in the top 10 in ERA uh, in his league, it feels like he's he's pitching the best baseball of his entire life. All we wanted to see, like when, the, you know, he's always been known for his ground ball pitching and he's doing that the best he ever has. And he's striking out people at a decent enough clip. He's not like Dallas Keuchel out there. He's almost like, this is almost like, you know, people want to talk about like, you know, a Cy Young Award year that Dallas Keuchel have. That's kind of what Marcus Stroman is working on right now in terms of how he's getting things done. He added pitches over the winter and I was worried because, you know, you add too, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes goes bad, but man, him, James McCann, Tomas Nito, they have something going here where they know how to call a game and he's uh and he's fantastic out there. So I don't want to say a 2 3 ERA is going to necessarily stick, but everything he's doing uh, looks good out there. You mentioned um, Caprillion as being a guy who can outproduce some of his metrics. I think Stroman's skill set being such a ground ball uh, pitcher, uh, not giving up so much hard contact, kind of letting his defense play around him also is that type. And he's doing it with a, again, going back to strand rate, 80.2%, which is more believable given he is, he's put up a 78% ground ball rate, uh, sorry, strand rate over a 200 inning season before a 90%. Well, that was a small sample. We're not going to go with that one, but regardless, and then going back to that, looking at that same sample of 2017, 201 innings, 78% strand rate, 3.09 ERA, and a 17.8 home run to fly ball rate, which if you look at his 2021 production, all that's very much in line with 2017. Now, it's a big gap in terms of production, you know, three years. But we've seen, my point is, is we've seen him do it before. Yes, the XERA is high, but I think he'd be closer to his FIP or XFIP in the, you know, closer to the mid to lower threes at this point. Because again, given the skill set, I don't think that the long ball is going to hurt him as much. He would really have to screw that up. And when the summer months coming up, I could see it being a little bit of an issue. But all in all, I think Stroman's solid, and he's here to stay. He was a guy I was kind of – I was in on, and I liked him as ADP. I still think he's more of an SP3, and that's kind of what you should value him as. And you were getting him as SP5. So he's kind of in that, like, well, he's probably an SP3 now. He's probably a top 36 guy. 
I think he's one of those guys the new ball has really helped out because he's he has the highest hard hit contact against in his entire career, 46.2%, which you don't want to see, but it's mostly ground balls mm-hmm. that he's giving up. And he's actually has a good defense behind him. The Mets are like second in outs above average, which is bizarre to think, but that's the way it's, it's shaken out um, with a much improved uh, core behind him. And when he gives up law, when he gives up, you know, hard contact in the air, I mean, solo home runs like Fernando Tatis happened, but with the, with the drag on the ball, sometimes they just die at the warning track. So yeah, when you look at the ERA and XRA, it can get ugly, but um, I think Marcus Stroman could definitely continue to kind of do what he's doing. I would say three ERA, not 2.3. But yeah, I think that he will be hanging in there the entire way and the way he has been able to get into the sixth inning. Um, for seven consecutive starts, that can't be undervalued. And I mean, they overstated enough how valuable that is. So um, yeah, Marcus Stroman, love it. <laughs> Let's talk about Anthony Descofani. I don't believe here. I can't because of injuries. Uh, I don't want to jinx him by any means. He goes nine innings. He goes complete game, eight strikeouts versus Washington, 103 pitches, 71 strikes. Fantastic. Uh, he did get help from Mike Tauchman, who robbed Juan Soto of a home run. But again, he's it was, still would have been a gem with or without the catch. Uh, do you believe in Descafani himself? Do you think it's just something, again, I've said this in the past, do you think there's something in the water in San Francisco? Do you Are you selling high here? Because I know it's hard for you because everyone who doesn't know, you are a big Tony Disco guy. So you'll give it to us straight here because there's every reason in the world to believe in him, and especially for you. Are you holding or selling Anthony Delscafani? I'm holding on the simple fact that who's actually buying? Realistically, who is buying and what are you getting for him? That's my thing. I don't think there's a lot you can get for him. I think he's better off at this point. Tony Disco is a guy that you just ride out. You just let it go. And if you go back to 2019, the second half, he posted a 3.49 ERA. He was kind of taking this step, pitching more to contact, not giving up so many home runs. And that was in Great America Small Park. Go to San Fran, a better pitcher's ballpark for him. And you're seeing a similar, the ERA is in low threes. The strikeout rate is very similar to uh, that second half. when It was barely, it was almost like eight, roughly eight per nine, eight Ks per nine, which isn't great, but again, serviceable. And it's almost like that growth picked back up where it was after dealing with injuries in 2020. You mentioned the injuries being the biggest issue for Anthony Discofani. I agree, but given that, I'm gonna ride. I'm more likely to ride it out because I just don't think anyone's gonna give me anything seriously usable compared to what he's offering and what he could continue to offer, given what the Giants have shown us the, their capabilities with pitchers over the over the last few years. I, I agree, um, and I th- I should say my my concern is injury. I, it's it's not performance. Uh, he's earning everything he's doing. I believe if the sinker has been great, and um, I think the only way you could go, let's just say you were set on pitching. Like, I don't know how many teams are actually set on pitching. I, I actually have lucked out in quite a few of my teams just because I've happened to be high on uh, Zach Wheeler and Corbin Burns were basically my guys and I have them everywhere. So I've been blessed, but let's just say you're, you're set and you just need some hitting. You need a spark. You want to buy low. How about we'll aim high ish in terms of preseason value. Anthony Descofani, you, you would trade him for like a Lord's Gurriel. Who I hit a ball about 900 feet on Sunday yeah. over the green monster because I think that would be the kind of thing, right? You'd, if you were going to sell Descafani, you'd want to aim for a high player that you can buy for as low as possible. 
And I think Gary L's probably in the ballpark. Maybe could somebody? No, you would never be able to buy his brother right now. Eugenio He's, Suarez would be really. a. Um, no, I'm not touching Suarez. You can. No, no, I'm just saying he'd be another guy people look at, but I didn't name him because I oh. think neither, neither of you would be. Neither of us would be interested. <laughs> no, yeah, you, you can keep Suarez. I'm not. I was out on him preseason, um, but I think. Or Guriel's a good, I think that's fair. I think it's a very fair deal. Like if I saw that, I'd be like, someone just sold high and bought low. I get that. And that's kind of where that's kind of that's a good area. I think it's a very good area of a uh, player. You've right. you've been good on these tonight, Matt. You've been good on these tonight. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always good on these. Uh Aaron Savale, who it was a very popular sleeper pick in the uh in the offseason. He uh, faced Seattle, eight innings, eleven strikeouts, one hit. A single and a walk and a hit by pitch in the first inning, and then he threw seven perfect innings after that. He has a 317 ERA, a perfect one whip, 69 strikeouts over 88 innings pitched. He's not a huge strikeout guy. He's basically, he's basically, um, he's basically doing what Stroman is from a fantasy standpoint in general. Uh, but, you know, people kind of hold him in, uh, I guess, similar regard. I, I mean, I guess he could value them similarly. I, I feel like more people, um, value Savale higher. Am I am I off there, or I feel like the industry or the uh, fantasy baseball players as a whole are valuing Savale higher in Stroman? Or are they pretty much on the same tier? I would honestly place them in a very similar tier. I'm I'm all I'm also along the lines of value valuing Savale a little higher. But that's a couple of reasons. One validation like i was high on savali i had Savali. i have savali on 100 percent of my rosters mm -hmm. so that shows you like i was in i was getting him on every team i could so but i, I was also targeting stroman because if i would get sniped on savali stroman was my fallback plan so i agree they are very similar their skill sets are what i was targeting their sp3 these guys are like they're both overperforming to a point i think savali is also due to regress in a sense but given his skill set it's kind of what you should expect. Like if he gets closer to a four ERA, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, especially as, as it warms up. But another guy in Savali that relies on ground balls, he strands a good amount of players and he keep, you know, he knows how to hit the zones and spots in the zone. So if he can keep doing that, there's no reason to think he can't just do what he's doing all year. Be, be this low to mid to three ERA guy, maybe slightly outperform his metrics. But yes, I think Stroman isn't getting the love that Savali got, got. And I think it's because Savali has been getting this hype, for a couple of years now from the fantasy community, mm -hmm. whereas Strowman was out of sight, out of mind in 2020 and in 2021, he's still not getting quite the respect he deserves. And I think, but it's also because he's boring when everyone views Savali as being something more than boring when he's really just boring, but in a better, a better division though, that division is a lot better to pitch in. And Cleveland, the Cleveland pitching machine can't be doubted. Uh, they know what they're doing there. And he's getting you a ton of innings. Same as Stroman, but he's giving you more innings. 88 innings is, is fantastic. In a year where you need those innings, he's going to give you uh, good metrics. He's going to give you some Nine strikeouts. Wins. So, and he appears to be a guy that, again, we this is speculation. So, you know, whatever. When I this comes back to be wrong, I'm wrong. You're trying to locate pit players that maybe won't regress with his foreign substances. Yeah. I, I think Aaron Savali is one of those. So let's just say, uh, who would you rather have? You know, the question's coming. I told you ahead of time. Who would you rather have rest of the season? Aaron Savali, or if someone offered you one for one, Luis Castillo, who's not only struggled, but he has been someone like, like Brandon Woodruff. Luis Castillo are a couple of the people that no one has brought up a lot with the spin rates, but you know, they are people that have seen their spin rate skyrocket in recent seasons that could theoretically um, have issues. I mean, maybe maybe Castillo stopped using them the entire season and that's where it's going. But Castillo obviously has that higher perceived ceiling. So you are the Aaron Savali owner. Are you the, are you roster Aaron Savali? 
and someone offers you Luis Castillo tomorrow, one for one, are you saying yes? Ugh. Uh, I, I I told you I went back and forth on this. His last two outings, Castillo, 3.09 ERA with a 3.49 FIP and a 3.43 XFIP. Four walks over 11.2 innings, but 12 Ks. So he's turning the corner. He's a he's he pitches better in warm weather. I would not be surprised if Castillo. You know what that is? That's the three, that's the three zero strike call by the umpire, even though it's not a strike. That's what your enthusiasm is because those two starts that everyone is – and I'm Luis Castillo. Me and Michael Simeo maybe the two highest people on Luis Castillo preseason. But for mm. anyone to say he's been good the last two starts, if he was on top of his game, you'd be pissed at his last two starts. You know, those are his bad starts uh, when yeah. he's on top of the game. I think I'm going to stick with Savale. I don't like it. <laughs> like, I really don't like I'm doing this. I just think there's that level of safety and security, like like a, a security blanket. Like, you know, your four-year-old comes in your room. He's cuddling a teddy bear and a blanket at night. Savale is that teddy bear and blanket. You know what Castillo is? He's the comforter that has a hole in it. And maybe you get the spot that like doesn't have the hole in it. But then if you, fall, if you sleep funny, the hole is there and you're getting hit with the cold air all night. That's what I, I, I want security. I don't want the. The whole do you think blanket. it depends? Do you think it depends on the kind of team you have? Like, if you I, need to I, stay I the course, also, you go with Savali. If you're in like the back of the pack and you need to make a surge, you just go. You know, is is that just a YOLO move yeah, only? I think that is a YOLO move. I really do, and I think it's also context. Uh, t- like in a 15 team where I want my security for sure, but in a 10 team league, why not go for it? Why? <laughs> right. Why not? We're gonna end, end the show with a couple more pitchers here. Uh, the most exciting pitcher we've talked about so far, by far, Joe Ross. <laughs> Next. Uh, good start. I mean, San Francisco on Sunday, eight innings, eight innings, zero earned, five hits, no walks, nine strikeouts. His ERA is just a touch over four. He started the season really solid, then got blown up. Like, is is he someone that should be rostered and kept in fifteen team leagues? Is or is he still? A I guess we didn't learn a lesson with him the first time. <laughs> Although. Like, well, I mean, it's, 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 is he a streamer? I should say, like, if he's going, let's just say he's yeah. not in a positive, uh, what would be a, what would be a down the middle? Um, I mean, San Francisco, I mean, well, let's just say he's going to face the Braves, which is, you know, not a great matchup. Would you start him against the Braves in a 15 team league? Maybe how desperate am I for starts? I think he's streamable. I'm looking at his game log and it's weird. He has two outings where he's given up 10 earned runs and eight earned runs, but the yep. rest have been, Sorry, he has a foreign run in there, but the rest have been two or less otherwise, yes. which is really weird. So it's been like a lot of really bad games mixed in with some solid performances. So Joe Ross is definitely in that streaming category, but man, when he blows up, he really goes, he goes all out four innings, 10 runs, four innings, eight yeah. runs. If you look at his stats, he seems like the typical guy where if you have an extra space, you roster him and you hold yeah. him, but you Especially only, play him. Teamers, like you only play him in the good starts, except I'd be afraid to. For me, I'm just to <laughs> let someone else do it because. <laughs> I, 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 Let someone else do it. I mean, it's, it's the easy way out. I like yeah, it. I, yeah, I, I, you know, whatever. You take it's a smart way out. Yeah. Uh, the last pitcher we're going to talk about is Carlos Rodon. I mean, <laughs> almost almost throws another another no hitter. <laughs> well, not almost, but I mean, you know, everyone thought it was coming. It, it, granted, it was against the Tigers on Sunday. Seven innings, one hit, one earned, nine strikeouts. And here's the thing: is he a top fifteen starting pitcher? Because I think he's a lock for top twenty at the moment. The question think, is, is he top 15? I mean, everyone can yell at us in the comment section of the show if I'm being too uh, too egregious by saying he's top 20 easily. But again, 
look at all the pitchers this year. Look at all the pitchers that you're about to be worried about with all the substance abuse. Um, you know, so I shouldn't say substance abuse. That's that's a different <laughs> connotation. Illy foreign substance. Uh, but uh, Carlos Rodon has more than proven that this is what he is, and what he is is an ace. And talk about a guy with injury history. Talk about a guy. It's such a feel-good story. Contract year. I want to believe in him. And top 15, you got to think he deserves it. I'm trying. I'm looking at names now just on here. And he's fringe for sure because just looking at names around him, like Glass now, which is ahead of him, obviously. Darvish, Wheeler, guy, those guys would rather have. Scherzer, though, with his injury uncertainty. DeGrom, that says he's healthy, but who knows really with DeGrom. He's, he's, he's fringe. I think he's going to get there, though. And it you might say be, who knows with the Grom, the 101 of all pitchers still? No, no, no. Who knows in terms of his health? Because he says he's fine, but now he needs an MRI. No one gets an MRI. It's not like Oprah. You get an MRI. You, no one. That doesn't work that way with MRIs. Who would you it rather just, have rest of the season, Carlos Rodon or Terror Ever Rogers? Uh, give me Rodon. I believe in the pedigree. I believe in the skill set more. And, I, and that's a Marlins fan, so that tells you I'm not being biased. All right. I, who, who would you rather have, Carlos Rodon or Lance Lynn? Lance Lynn. I, I know he's overperforming, but... He he has the he has the if somebody can just if someone's known to stay healthy at this point in their career and give you those innings and be a damn solid pitcher, yeah, it's I'm Lance not, Lynn. I'm not shooting you down. I would too. And here's the tricky one. I think this is a good spot because he has his own question marks in a lot of people's minds. Uh, Louis, uh, would you rather have Carlos Rodon or uh, Julio Urias? Um, I'll, I'll go with Rodon, and simply based on the fact that I think the Dodgers are going to limit. Urias or Urias, excuse me, down the down the stretch. I'm concerned about the innings limits. I'm concerned the Dodgeritis, and that's pretty much the biggest reasoning. He's an interesting pitcher because a lot of people forget about the um, the playoffs last year, which again usually don't count them in a regular season. But last year, semi important. He didn't mm-hmm. throw a lot of innings last year, like only 55. But when you include his postseason innings, he actually ends up being only a, sh- a couple of innings behind um, behind. Uh, Lance Lynn, who led the league. So it's, I don't know how far they're going to let him go, but I mean, his career high to this point is 79 and two thirds innings in 2019. He's at 78 and one third now. So he's already there. He's at his, his, he's at his regular season peak now. So it's just a matter of, you know, how much longer. What is it, the uh, Verducci effect? What do they say? You're supposed to add like 10%. So, I mean, that wouldn't be a ton, that wouldn't be a ton more. <laughs> My thing is, is if they start limiting Urias because they can, because the Dodgers just do that, yeah. that wouldn't surprise me. Whereas Rodon is pretty much like a, a free space on a bingo card for the White Sox. They they have no money in them going into next year. They can run them into the ground, almost like a running back, wrong sport, but like a running back on their contract year, a team runs them into the ground because they can, and look what happens to them. I'm trying to think of the, the running back that happened to most recently, but I can't. Who cares? This is baseball. My point is they can. the White Sox can treat Rodon like that, and I think they will because they don't have the choice not to, essentially, whereas the Dodgers do have depth in their minor league system and as players get healthy in general or stay healthy. All right. Well, that does it for the recap, which we've gone, I don't know, roughly twice as long as we were aiming to, but it happens with me and Mike Carlin. So, Mike, remind everyone where they can find you one more time before we sign off. All things me, which, again, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on here, man. I always love coming here talking baseball. But you can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And, again, literally everything I do, I post to Twitter. So you find me there. You can find my work. 
All right, awesome. Follow me, everyone, on Twitter, Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Make sure to download the NBC Sports Edge app. It's uh, everything you want to know, the latest in fantasy baseball and every other sport. Turn on notifications. You'll know when all the greatest prospects get called up. Like, if the Reds are going to bring Hunter Green up, they already put him up to uh, to AAA. Maybe they're going to skip him uh, skip him real quick. I think he's probably the next – is he the next best pitcher to probably come up? I know, I know it's not Mackenzie Gore. <laughs> That's so upsetting. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, make sure to tune in tomorrow. We're Monday through Friday now on Circling the Bases. Uh, enjoy your week in baseball. We'll be back next Monday with the Weekend Recap. See you, everybody. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.